Hello, this is Brainwash with Gerald. Podcasting from beautiful South Jersey. Brainwash, the podcast that cleans your brain. Hey, it's May 27th. Welcome to the show. Um, Today I have been working on my article about Hamlet. Okay, I've been talking about Hamlet a lot. Um, it's one of those things. One of those things, you know, that occupy your mind, and um, basically turn everything upside down. So, a little backstory um, about me. I came here to this country <laughs> many years ago, uh, basically because I was curious, and basically just to stay here for two years maximum and then two years became uh, uh, 24 24 years now and so um, I was the stay at home dad (coughs) I'm not crying I was a stay at home dad um, for all these years Um, I went back to school tried different careers, all that stuff, you know how that stuff goes, uh, but I was never able to commit to something 100% because there were other priorities, you know, these that's, that's how those things go. So now I'm like, you know, the kids are gone and I'm still fucking figuring out what I want to do. So I was raised in the Netherlands and I always liked reading and writing, so I've been doing that most of my, most of my, most of my life actually. I was writing the school newspaper and the church <laughs> church weekly <coughs> my god um, and um, went to journalism school and then in here I went to theater school to become a playwright believe it or not um, so I have always been um, writing but writing is probably one of the most difficult things there is and it's also one of the most easiest things there is so that's let me say let me explain the ladder the ladder it's not very hard to write a play or to write a movie or to even write a book uh, at all you have to write you know 40 50,000 words that's your book that's what most people do I'm afraid <laughs> most writers just write a book and but what makes a book interesting? What makes a book great? That's, you know, we don't really have a formula for that. Uh, plays are even more um, difficult. I have a, uh, I, had, I had a friend, she passed away. Her name was Nancy Wogans. Um, we met at a uh, writer's seminar at uh, Rutgers in 1997-ish. And... Um, she became not only a good friend, but also like a surrogate grandmother for my kids because we were here and our family was over there. Um, yeah, and, and she was just a wonderful, warm person. She moved to Berkeley, California with her to be with her kids. She was already retired at the time. Um, so she passed away. She was in the late 80s or maybe 90s. And her daughter, I had contact with her a little bit uh, about um, uh, after she passed, and um, she said she said she had a ball her last, you know, her last twenty some years. So um, 
I was happy about that. Years ago, we were in a writer's group together, and she always said, you know, when we were talking about uh, playwriting, like if you go to the bookstore, there is these shelves and shelves of of excellent world-class literature, and how many good plays are there really? Like really good plays. A play you want to see at any time of the day. And uh, and granted, there's not that many. Um, uh, yeah, a few by Shakespeare. Not cert- certainly, certainly not all of them. Um, Chekhov, Ibsen, Brecht, um, uh, Tennessee Williams. Um, um, Miller, I could, I'll be. For if you want to add a few Americans, Heiner Müller, just because I like it myself. But that's, let's see. And then there's Molière, of course. Um, and then the Greeks, some of the Greeks, because they have to be there. But that's about it. That's a that's that's your bookshelf. That's that's the uh, Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde. Um. And what makes what makes a play great? Like really great. What makes a book really great, and that's and I'm and as any other writer, that's my ambition to write something that's a large amount of people will appreciate, and that's your biggest. Um, well, is it a trap or a demon? I let's think about that. What is it? it it's a um, if it's a demon will stop you from writing because you want to avoid facing that demon um, so that's so that would not be a good um, comparison a demon is uh, a demon is more like someone in your life you can't really deal with very well um, a, um, a demon can be something that's in yourself uh, fear is maybe a demon something you have to f- have to to fight fear 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 of the fear of failing um but i think the ambition can be a it's more like a trap of sorts that you want to want it to be so great so that you kind of lose not perspective you lose literally you lose your sight you set your sight on something that you which prevents you from watching what's happening in front of you and you will stumble and fall and the other th- the other thing is that is that sense of of gratification we all yearn we want to have like we want to be satisfied we want to do it now and um and especially in these times uh, and, and and not times in not corona times but in the times where there are so many writer schools there's so many books being published it's Everything, everything has been done. How the hell are you going to stand out? How, how, how are you going to be, you know, your own voice? Um, because there is this huge, huge wall or f- fortress you have to penetrate. Nobody wants you. Nobody wants to see more writers. Nobody wants to see more playwrights or, 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 or film scripts. No one. You... In this case, I have to do it myself, be my own worst critic and get to a point where I think that this is what I would like to read. Maybe that's the standard. What do I want to read? This is what I would I would I would buy. And there's your and there is the 
and they're you know you know these traps have traps inside them yeah so you get a, you walk into a trap and then there's another trap door and a booby trap what have you a spikes it's like a Harrison, like a, one of any of the Harrison Ford movies and there's the other the other danger the other danger is that you are um stopped by the observation that whatever you do be it a painter or photographer whatever is so different from all the other people that you think it's not good because it you don't it doesn't compare to the work the people you admire make and so that can mean two things it can be fantastic and brilliant and genius but chances are that it's just crap that's <laughs> the reason why you're why you're making it different is because you don't know don't know what you're doing and then by default you create something that's unique but it's uniquely bad um, but if your default position is it's 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 gonna be bad that doesn't help you and or and if your default position is I'm the genius that's not going to help you either. I mean, the worst thing you can do is say, I wrote this brilliant book, um, and then to find out that it's shit. That's the worst thing. Um, the best thing that can happen is that you show someone your work. <laughs> well, that's that's why that's what I why I always why I always went to uh, like writers conferences and writers groups. I was begging for someone to say go. You know, don't give up your day job, or, or or go find a real job or something like that. But it was always like, yeah, this is, you know, it's okay. But you know, there was these little things and blah 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 blah. And then you keep going, just like you're being, like you're tied tied in, and you can't really escape from it, and you just have to keep going. So again, now, so here I am writing this article. You know, dreaming of the of the New Yorker magazine like everybody else does, and I know it's not going to be in the New Yorker, but it's like because they don't write, they don't publish articles like this. I try to, I can't help myself. I try to keep it clear and simple. I don't want to use complicated sentences. Um, and went later in life, um, switched over later in life. Um, I don't count the kids people came here as kids they were they got to the school system and all that i had to learn um i had to learn it i'm still learning and i was just like i had to learn dutch when i got into college uh, i could i wasn't i couldn't write i had my spelling was <laughs> god awful and i got like i got mangled that first year um i got like but i but i worked on it i studied um i i got very quickly I realized the things I didn't know what I did wrong and it was fine after that although I was not a I don't know it was, it was also a very bad school I think a very bad school the it's, it's called um, it was the Christian Academy of Journalism in Kampen um, and later on that they merged with um, with a school called Bindesheim University I think it's better now I hope it's better now but I had like a what so for my final project, I had like a national, a national scoop, like a, and and they were like, yeah, you know, D plus. <laughs> so, there was nothing wrong with that, and and then what 
and then afterwards in retrospect what bothered me most of it is the fact that i i didn't fight it i was like i was just so in in, in i guess intimidated by these people they all were all they were all the, i mean my my graduation committee they were all like experienced journalists so i was like oh hey, they must be right i must be wrong and that's not a good thing and that's also I don't want to get into that too much, but that's that's also part of how you grow up. You're not if you grow up like in a very conservative, orthodox, Protestant environment, you're not you're not being you're not being encouraged to 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 argue and to speak up. Yeah. And you're you're learned to be fearful and submissive to your superiors. And even though I, I did, of course, I did for it, but it, it's something that becomes part of your fabric without knowing it. It's like, like, like they mix it through your tea. You know what I mean? It's like, it's um, like a secret potion. And I don't think they do it on purpose, but um, but they did it. It, it's done it's like uh, it's very hard to get away from that kind of stuff and it's very i'm still having a hard time fighting authorities no no that's that's, that's wrong i'm not having a hard time fighting authorities when there's something right when it's about wrong and right but it's when it's something about me if i if i, if I have to come for my own personal interest i have a hard time with that if it's i'm if i'm working on behalf of an organization like a like an interest group i have no issues you know or if it's about spouting my opinion about stuff no i'm not afraid at all but when it comes to i don't know asking for a raise or t telling my boss don't like the way he operates that's that's a that's something your body almost objects to it's kind of weird Anyway, so go back to the Shakespeare thing. So, so the article is basically about why I think Hamlet is supposed to be a comedy, a joke. Um, a very sarcastic joke, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm not going to tell you the whole article. But one of one of the one of the aspects I really uh, which really came, became clear while I, while I was writing it is the idea um, of um, how we experience a performance, and um, so that comes down to the the tragedy and comedy subtitle. So Hamlet, the tragedy, blah blah blah. So Hamlet, I, um, in my perspective, Hamlet in his when it was produced, it was a tragedy, but a tragedy for the um, the characters in the play. It was their tragedy. It was not our tragedy. These people were different from us. These were other people. And at some point in the history, um, we humans saw ourselves on stage, ourselves on stage. So it was not Hamlet the crazy Dane, no, it's it's my issues he's addressing, my insecurities. And in addition, that idea of us identifying with 
upper classes. You know, most most people are you know um, what they call lower middle class, whatever. If you if you if you want to talk it, if you want to put it that way. So most people are most people, and I'm talking 97, 98 percent are not extremely wealthy. And if you want to compare the wealth of the um, the Danes at the point at that point in time, they were in the 99.9999999 percent of the world, literally. They were what they were probably among the wealthiest people in the world at the time. <laughs> from stealing from people, but oh, that's another story. That's you should read the article. I'll explain it. Um, so at some point we started identifying with these so-called tragic heroes. They also became tragic heroes. I think Shakespeare would be puking in his grave when he saw that. But anyway, the um, so so Shakespeare. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there wasn't. They didn't produce Shakespeare for. I don't know from the until the s late 1700s, and then German Schiller on, on discovered uh, it, made a German translation of Hamlet, and this was at around the time where uh, Goethe published. Um, Goethe was a you know German romantic, and he was the one. I think he was one of the first like um, individual authors, like like um, like someone who's who who who. who created an individual personal work of art the um, uh, uh, and one of his fa most famous at the time was the Breton Elon story and to in which this poor boy heartbroken committed suicide and there was a suicide and as a result from that story many many young boys in all over Europe committed suicide just out of a romantic feeling of heartbreak or whatever whatever you want to call it and um and i think around that time so end of the 1700s early 1800s we as a western people started putting ourselves in the center i think that's the uh, that would be the explanation we put ourselves in the center of the universe and the universe was serving us Yeah. So all everything was about us. Um, that's why the industrial revolution was not had nothing to do with improving our life standard of life. It has to do with making a few people very wealthy on 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 the ex at the expense of of millions of people. Uh, you should read. Uh, Friedrich Engels about uh, how he d he des describes the situations in these factories and it is appalling it's appalling but if you are in power and you think the world's turning around you instead of the other way around you don't care about uh, people who don't look like you in this case they don't look like you because they didn't have any teeth and they didn't wash and they had raggedy clothes and um, and in other countries they were had a different color which is basically easier because you could make up some sort of theory explaining that these per people were, were like an underclass of people I mean just to be sure um, 
I mean, I had an argument with this about this with my son almost killed me, like literally exploded from 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 anger. But I tried to explain to him that racism is an invention. That in in Shakespeare's time there was no racism because we didn't. First of all, we did not know what racist a race was because we didn't start to. Um, uh, categorizing plants and animals later until later on, uh, but also the idea that there was a there were there were that there were um, stratifications of 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 people based on 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 color and and uh, and f and physical features that was that did not ex exist. Um, in those days, so we're talking. I mean, would be what we at the end of the Middle Ages. People still believed in God, first of all, the devil, the hell, and they believed that everybody, the whole world, was created by God, and all the people in it were His children. And we had to, um, we had to save all those people. Of course, they were not who didn't weren't part of the Christian Empire. Um, yeah, they were the uh, innocents, and the people in Africa, they were. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, they were. They had to find some sort of explanation for for um, black people. So what they came up was with the with the with the idea that one of sons, one of Noah's sons, the one who fornicated on the boat and was was banished from the family, he was the uh, father of uh, black Africa, so to speak. He was the first African in the in the minds of the middle, middle people in the Middle Ages. And I have to tell you, I'm not. I'm not up to um, speed when in but when it comes to the history of of um, slavery, but I'm I'm pretty sure that there was that slavery um, or the slave trade. Um, what we learned, what 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 became the slave trade later on was not happening in in um, in Europe at the time. That doesn't mean there wouldn't be. That was not something like. Slavery or indentured indentured workers or uh, or or um, what have you, but um, but the, you know the 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 the, 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 the scientific racism that later on was formulated and was you know basically uh, validating the the slave trade that did not did not exist at the time. Um, and also, I think we should th also think about how the stratification we know now in, in for instance, the United States, uh, you got the the one percent, and you got you have all these layers: the middle class, upper middle class, low middle class, poor, really poor. Um, that's that's only a part of what the stratification would would, would look like in the Middle Ages. I mean, I think there were uh, all kinds of subclasses um very strictly defined in those days by by clothing by by actually by how people looked um so for instance the um so you had the 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 owner the owner class but you had also grad, grad gradations in that so we had the, the the big wigs and the smaller wigs and what have you and then you have all these guilds merchants uh farmers big farmers small farmers um and then an endless amount of, of people in the service industry, the smiths, the f bakers, 
the the people made clothes, people made shoes, people made furniture, and they, and they all had their own hierarchies. It's uh, themselves, their guilds. You had the people who were outside of the guilds. There, so there were the so the, the Jews were known for not being able to join guilds, so they had to fight their own way to make money. And then you had the f- <coughs> you had the uh, the 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 artists and the um, and the traveling salesmen and the hookers and the bookies and what have you that whole Vegas part of society it was kind of also a different planet basically with their own hierarchies their own uh, royalties um, but don't forget the 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 the, the, the Middle Ages that if you were a performer or or a prostitute or uh, you know someone who was kind of outside the society you were not part of that beautiful christian reality so you were not allowed to be buried in sacred grounds as an actor you're you're were supposed to be buried somewhere along whatever along the river or on a separate place so that's why it's so <laughs> interesting that <laughs> Shakespeare was buried in the in a church, um, but he was not your ideal Christian. Let me let me tell you that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> it's kind of funny to read literature about Shakespeare, especially this English about they how how they have tried to clean up his image. Um, like, oh no, Shakespeare would never frequent. Um, uh, prostitutes um, that was Mr. Partridge um, he wrote a book called uh, Shakespeare's Body and that's another interesting uh, tidbit <laughs> tidbit uh, is that the uh, the neighbors at the Club of the Globe Theatre um, were a bunch of Dutch prostitutes who owned and operated the Holland Leaguer which was the most prominent most expensive brothel in all of uh, England or uh, Britain um, right next door to the theater um, but no 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 Shakespeare just was a, just was a good Christian and he would turn his face when he would walk by <laughs> um, so my my take on this is that i mean i'm sure these women were also in the theater and doing their business and what have you and that was all i cannot imagine that they were um <laughs> separated from each other um and it, it's by the way it's because and i'm dutch because i'm i'm dutch i'm of course extra interested and it's kind of fun to see yeah, fun interesting to see this woman group of group of women uh operating this 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 business basically and doing very well at it too. Um, so the, the the I think the the owner was Elizabeth Holland. Um, I don't know if she's related to Hugh Holland, one of the people who wrote the one of the um, um, forewords in the in the folio. But it'll be interesting to look at. Um, anyway, I'm I'm, I'm kind of um, drifting off in Shakespeare world, as you can as you can recall so i'm going back let's go back to the uh the, to the article so my and, and this is maybe a good example like in 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 there's a choice you have to make do i want to tell this story of how i think i think reality is or do i want to make a 
make a um, an argument, like a, a scientific argument, and would that what what and what would that entail? Can I just refer to literature, or do or do I really have to delve into it and come up with an article with like you know bibliography and sixty different books or and articles? Um, So the, the choice I have to make is um, do I want to write a story that's accessible to a larger audience and still make a point or do I have to convince like a handful of scholars of my opinion that um, Shakespeare only wrote comedies. And then next, uh, another question would be, what the hell do I want? Why do I want this? Write this article, anyways. Why? What's the point? Um, well, the point is that, and, and and this goes back to the title of this podcast. I think the point is that we've been duped all these years by all this bullshit that's been written about him. It's just insane. If you, I mean, I've been reading a lot. Because I do look things, look up uh, facts, and and it's it's shocking, shocking what people write. I've never seen so many people so full of themselves, like 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 jumping on Shakespeare's back, and they go like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm just like Shakespeare. I can write very proficient as well." Blah 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 blah. I think that's what I want to do. I think I want to liberate Shakespeare from academia. I don't know what the hell people were thinking. Um, getting PhDs in Shakespeare. What the hell is that about? I think Shakespeare wrote for the people. I literally, I mean, literally for the people. Um, he wrote for 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 the, the the suckers who had a few extra pennies to to see that those plays and have have some fun. That's what he did. What I want to do essentially is give Shakespeare back to the people. It sounds kind of kind of pathetic, but what I'm trying to say is that most people I talk to about Shakespeare they say oh it's hard to read hard to understand and that is because academia has usurped the work and I want to scrape that off just like they scrape off dirt and smoke from, from medieval paintings to reveal beautiful colored works there's this uh, one work in uh, Gent, Belgium, by Jan van Eyck. He uh, he wrote a he wrote he he, he painted this 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 uh, triptych for the um, church there in the fourteen thirty eight I believe it was. It was um, and it was recently cleaned, and one of the things that came out was that the Lamb of God had been altered like a hundred years later. So Lamb of God at the, at the painting we, ha we have seen for all these years looks like a sheep. But when I took off that layer of paint, it turns out Jan van Eyck painted it as a as a human with the eyes looking forward and, and pouty pink lips with like a smirky smile on its face. And I think that's what I want to do. I think I want to clean, get all that crap out of, of, of the... Uh, of Shakespeare and and show it it what it was really really meant to be, um, because it 
the, the way we see it was not there's nothing to do with Shakespeare the whole idea that you are in a theater and you see these people performing this religious piece of 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 I don't know this 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 this, this beautified sanctified f- text um in the dark in the quiet doesn't make any sense this that if you read it if you really read it you can tell that whoever was performing these pieces was not having a good time in the sense that everybody was listening they there's a lot of 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 um force in that language where you really have to o- not only overshout people but also a, have room for repeats that you have to um you have to almost almost convince the audience that every word is worth something every word you say has a value and we when we go to see shakespeare now we are just more impressed by the fact that people are able to memorize all those lines and spew them out than by the actual performance because there's no more the interaction part is gone there's no interaction they just do it's a dead it's it's dead as a doornail and it's not because of the actors by the way it's not because of them it's because of us us in the audience we sit there and keep our mouths shut we expect reverence we expect to see some sort of light shining through from history from his genius master and um i was i'm what i want to do is i want to explain why that's wrong and i'm just what i'm going to do is i'm actually right now i'm working on the in, at the in, introduction and i'm going to just go through the play and s- describe the different scenes how i see them and then hoping i can convince someone some director or producer and to see if we can we can put it up somewhere and um and show how it's i think how it's supposed to be done and then from a from a philosophical philosophical political point of view uh i would like to the message if you will is that we as people have become zombies we have lost our critical minds why the hell are we not allowed to speak in a theater? Whoever made up that uh, that red rule? Why can't we? You know, you, your phone goes off, you open up a, a candy wrapper, and you get scolded. Who, what the hell is that about? That's just, that's insane. That's not what theater is. It's never been like that. Theater is a communal event. It's not a church. God damn it. I did a show once where people were supposed to ask questions from people in the audience, and nobody did because they had no clue what to ask. There's no curiosity. We're just being lazy. We're just be, being. We're just so used to being entertained with television day in, day out that we don't. We lost our 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 skill to to interact with people on the stage. That's why I don't get uh, stand-up com- com- comics. I don't get that. Why do? You, I think it's more fun when when, they, when people respond to it, but they they kind of hung up on that whole idea that you have to shut up. You can't, you know. I don't get that. 
I know, yeah, it's a tough job. I, I, get, I get that. It is hard to make people laugh. But you can set it up differently. You can set it up more improvisational. Or even challenge people. Have some fun. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it feels like a power thing, actually. It's a power thing. We want to have power over other people. That's what it is. Yeah, I can go. I can go on like this forever. I mean, I can. I mean, I can go f play by play and explain, you know, how I think it should be done. But I'm, of course, I'm not going to do that. I'm. Um, I'm going to go. Um, actually, I'm going to go today. What is it? Uh, Wednesday. I have to finish waxing a, b a boat. Believe it or not. So I'm going to do that and have, then have a drink with a good friend of mine. And that should be it for the day. Um, as for me. How am I holding up in the in this um, epidemic? I can. S I think I'm. I'm. I'm very subdued, um, sort of, usually. But I think I'm moving into the anger phase. I don't know. I'm getting pissed about a lot of things. Um. So that's something I have to deal with and something I might talk to you about in the next podcast. Thanks you for listening.